Hey everybody, and welcome back once again to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman. I am the pastor at Valley Christian Fellowship in Longview, Washington. And thanks for journeying with me on this discipleship uh, adventure that we're taking through the Gospel of John, looking at John and his telling of the story of Jesus, and really remembering that his purpose is so that you and I, we would believe in Jesus, we would believe in him, and we would have life in his name. Now, we've been in John chapter 19, and it's an incredible passage as we've seen so much happen here. We've seen prophecy fulfilled. We've seen Jesus ensure that his mother is well cared for even after his death. We've seen Jesus breathe his last and, and say these words, it is finished. And here now, we're going to see two more prophecies fulfilled, but John's also going to give us a few more details about the, the situation surrounding Jesus's death and the significance thereof of his death. And so turn with me, John chapter 19, starting in verse 31. The text reads, since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Here's what's going on. It's the day of preparation for the Passover, which is this holy day. And so the Jews, they, they basically come to Pilate and they're like, hey, um, you know, look at the time. Hey, Pilate, we, we've got places to be. We've got things to do. Can we, can we speed this along a little bit? And so they're requesting that the legs of these uh, men, Jesus in particular, being crucified, that these legs would be broken. Now, why would they want their legs broken? Haven't these men suffered enough? Well, here's the deal. Uh, when someone's dying of crucifixion, they've got the spikes in their wrists and on their feet, and their breathing is growing more and more shallow. They're actually dying by losing the ability to breathe. And so they can continue to breathe. As painful as this might sound, they will they will use their leg muscles to place their weight against the spike that's been driven through their feet to, to lift themselves, to hold themselves up so that they can continue to, to breathe in and breathe out. Now you can imagine that would become difficult if your legs were broken. They're actually saying we want to speed this along so we want their legs broken so they cannot hold themselves up and continue to have the ability to breathe. Verse 32. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. This testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. And here's what John does do here. John says, listen, I was there. I am bearing testimony of what I saw. They did not break his legs. They pierced him and blood and water flowed, flowed from him. Now, we, we're not exactly sure what's going on, but there's a lot that potentially is happening symbolically here. We know that in the Old Testament, the striking of a, of a rock provided water that provided life. We, we see that Jesus' blood being shed is, is the means by which we are cleansed of our sin. We understand all of these different dynamics at play here. Potentially all of these are what John is conveying with this moment as he tells. And he says, listen, I, I, I saw it. I bore witness. 
Uh, this is true. Uh, I am telling you exactly what I saw so that you will believe. Well, let's keep going. It says, For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. Well, this is speaking of a few Old Testament passages. One is Psalm 34, verse 20. It says, he keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. No, I, I, I would not have read this and said, wow, this is a prophetic text. But that's clearly how the New Testament author is understanding this. This is a prophetic text. Jesus, not one of his bones was broken. And then uh, Zechariah, verses, verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that... When they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one who mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. He's talking about the piercing of God, of Yahweh, by the sins of, of his people. But, but the, the application of this prophetic word is over Jesus and they will look upon him whom they have pierced. And, and there's this mourning. He, he died for our sin. This is meant to call us not just to move quickly to the resurrection story and the rejoicing, but this is calling us to a, a grievous, solemn moment where we recognize that it's my sin that resulted in Jesus in his death. We have prophecy fulfilled. We have testimony given. And we have this moment where we come face to face with the reality that we should mourn over this this moment in history. This is very similar to yesterday in the ancient way for modern days yesterday. This acknowledgement of our sin, but, but is doing it while we acknowledge the sovereignty of God and doing it while we acknowledge God's care for us. And this really is, this is the theme of the gospel. We come to God not as those who have figured out life and fixed everything. We come to God not with some illusion of, of how good spiritually we have been, but instead we come to God and we recognize we come as those who Jesus, that he died for, that he was pierced for. We come as those in mourning that it's our sin that caused Jesus to die, and yet we come as those who rejoice. Yesterday, I asked you to mourn. I asked you to examine your sin and consider the, the depth of your rebellion and to turn toward Christ. Today, I would like to ask you to rejoice. Yes, we mourn, but we mourn as those who have been forgiven. We mourn as those who know that as far as the east is from the west, we have been separated from our sins. God has forgiven us through and through, cleansed inside and out, top to bottom, all the way. This is the significance of the gospel in your life. Brother or sister in Christ, we don't walk around as those who are, who are burdened by our sin, but as those who are forgiven by Christ of our sin who no longer bear the shame and guilt and now walk in freedom to live a life that is holy, but to walk in freedom in Christ. This is the glory of the gospel. Do you believe this? Do you trust the Lord? Do you walk in faith knowing that he has accomplished 
everything you need for spiritual life. This is why we rejoice. And this is our ancient way for our modern day.